like a fetish club for your ears. Grab a hot drink and turn down the lights. Coming across the airwaves and into bedrooms everywhere, BDSM United is bringing you non-violent, consensual kink education. This isn't for the kiddos or for the cookie-cutter conservative vanilla prunes. We'll be talking bondage, discipline, dominance, submission, sadomasochism, and more today on this BDSM United podcast. Regardless of your political stance, there is a climate today, and I believe it's a very positive or a mostly positive climate today, where people are beginning to make reparations for um, slavery that was uh, institutionalized and uh, uh, really just kind of put into uh, the framework of the building of most of the nations of the world. And uh, here in the States, in the United States where I live, uh, people are really beginning to give a lot of thoughts and put a lot of uh, actions toward ending that systemic racism, or at least identifying it, and, uh, and really giving a hard look at it and having, <clears throat> excuse me, many conversations about systemic racism and uh, the effects that they had, uh, that slavery had here in America for hundreds of years. And uh, in light of the current climate, sometimes people misunderstand in the BDSM sense when we begin to talk about slavery. And so I wanted to talk today, uh, Primal Piggy here on this BDSM United podcast. Today we want to kind of tackle the question, is consensual slavery ethical? And how does consensual slavery, the type that we practice within BDSM, uh, how does it differ from the type of slavery that America and uh, Europe and, and some other countries of the world or many other countries of the world have experienced in both the past and ongoing uh, slavery uh, that, that happens. Um, what are some examples of the ongoing slavery that exists today? Well, there's like, um, I can think of like four different types here. Modern slavery that we see today, a big problem. And this is why we, uh, this first one, human trafficking, this is one of the big ones of why we really stress that People should thoroughly vet potential play partners. They shouldn't put themselves in relationship in, in sorry, they shouldn't put themselves in situations that are not safe. They should vet. They should use safe calls. They should uh, first meet at places like BDSM munches uh, in public places. They really should. Uh, they should not. Uh, allow a new potential partner to isolate them or insulate them from their friends and their family. Um, because human trafficking, a lot of times people will uh, have the potential to meet a partner who is somewhat catfishing them, uh, who is uh, sh uh, saying that they're a dominant partner and they want to be in uh, whatever type of relationship the person's looking for. And they will, uh, you know, go to meet the person and they will uh, uh, oftentimes get raped and they will get uh, uh, 
confined and imprisoned, so to speak, and then be trafficked. And so uh, maybe be passed among, uh, well, you know, there's uh, there's been instances where people have thought they were meeting one person and they would be turn out to be five or ten people in the room. And so uh, it was, you know, which is a human trafficking type of uh, situation. And so uh, where someone uh, ha has paid to, uh, you know, to have sex with uh with someone that another person is bringing in. Uh, human trafficking is a process of bringing a person into a situation of exploitation through a series of actions, including deceptive recruitment and coercion, uh, sometimes getting a person hooked on drugs or alcohol or, uh, you know, really pressing them uh, with guilt and shame, raping them, and then using the shame of that rape to continue to rape them. And so... Human trafficking is definitely bad, and it is not a part of BDSM at all. None of these four are. Uh, forced labor, that's uh, any work or services which people are not doing voluntarily and which is ex exacted under a threat of some form of punishment. Uh, sometimes people will get uh, that uh, put in situations where uh, someone says they're looking for a service submissive, and end up getting uh, locked away and uh, under threat of their life or someone uh, killing their family or putting, doing harm to their family will uh, uh, turn a service submissive type of, uh, with, you know, what somebody thinks is going to be that uh, will actually be trying to get forced labor out of them. And uh, uh, bonded labor, uh, this is a big one today. And outside of BDSM, especially here, this one doesn't really too much apply to us here, but it uh, it's uh, uh, it's a mean uh, it's labor that is demanded as a means of repayment of a debt or a loan. Um, oftentimes, it is a loan that can never be repaid. Uh, someone will uh, give the person uh, housing and food and take care of their needs. Uh, and put them in a situation where they uh, they are there to pay off a debt, but they will rack up even more debt because they will charge them for rent and, and food and all those sort of things, and they just have to keep working and working and working to pay off a debt or a loan that they can never repay. It's a really common, in, especially in other countries, uh, where someone gets in debt and they take somebody who's in debt and give them the hope or the or at least at first give them the hope of repaying a debt or a loan but then they tack on even more debt a debt that they can never repay and so they get forced and free labor out of that situation which is a form of unethical slavery uh, as is forced labor and human trafficking and then slavery in general it's a situation where a person exercises perceived power of ownership over another person. And we'll talk today mainly about that, that type of slavery uh, that existed in the past and somewhat exists in, uh, still today. And uh, we'll look at the, that non-consensual, uh, unethical slavery. And then we'll, uh, I'll show you some ways that uh, slavery within BDSM is is both ethical 
and um, and good for the persons involved. And so, um, let's first look at uh, some definitions. Um, let's define the two different identities of people that are commonly um, get into slavery or uh, are are in on the S type slash of a to the right the right side of a either a dominant and submissive relationship or a master slave relationship or mistress slave and uh, we're going to look at the at both the submissive and the slave we're going to show um, uh, some of the unique characteristics of what make these uh, identities within BDSM both uh, consensual and what make them ethical. So a submissive is a person who chooses at certain times and within certain conditions to submit to the will of their partner. The conditions typically include terms of service, length of service, areas of the submissive's life the dominant does not get to control, the hard and soft limits uh, when they play or just interact, and the safe words they'll use when scening. Although it is uh, counterintuitive, the submissive has some degree of control over an SM play scene through safe words, at least until they enter subspace. Uh, that's kind of a big, broad term here. I'm using a definition by uh, Dr. Robert Rupel, and uh, he has a really good definition here. So um, let's look at this real fast, this paragraph that I just read. It's really a person, a submissive first, first and foremost is a person who chooses. Uh, you, when you are in a submissive type relationship, you have a choice. Uh, and then it says at certain times and with certain, in, within certain conditions, they choose to submit to the will of their partner. Uh, uh, the mark of a power exchange relationship which is what a dom sub relationship is within BDSM is that you choose um, at certain times. It's a limited, uh, it's a limited submission. It's a limited power exchange. It's a partial power exchange. It's not. Um, it's not. It doesn't totally encompass all of your life. You choose certain times within certain conditions. And these things are negotiated, and oftentimes they are drawn up in a contract. And a contract is just, uh, and negotiations are just discussions, and a contract is just agreements. And so they, they may be formal, they may be written down uh, for both persons to uh, be able to reference, or they may be informal, they may be just uh, verbal agreements. And so the really important thing here is that uh, submitting to the will of their partner, the important thing to note here is that the partner, uh, the, you know, they, they should really know their partner well or be getting to know their partner well. That's the process we call vetting. Uh, that's where we look for inconsistencies. It's where a, a potential partner uh, we, we they they tell us things about themselves, and we investigate both their past and check their references, and, uh, and uh, begin to maybe play 
or be around them in in public and in in places where we can look for inconsistencies which would be red flags uh and then red flags don't always mean to run or go the other way they just sometimes you need to uh seek some further clarity and see uh what you know these are some inconsistencies i see between what you're telling me and who you appear to actually be and we need i need some clarity on those issues before we continue and during that part, during that consideration, that time of consideration and vetting, uh, before you submit to the will of your partner, of this potential partner, you really kind of check them out. You want to be sure that they are somebody who is worthy of earning your trust. And so um, you don't just submit to the will of just any partner or any just... Uh, any certain person this isn't just for a scene this is for a relationship but with mbdsm relationships are uh oftentimes uh more so than vanilla relationships they include things uh, a certain uh, heightened level of risk because we're playing with like rough sex or snm and different things like that and so part of being involved in bdsm is being risk aware and uh and knowing the risks and, and, and trying our best to do this whole BDSM thing safely. And so the, under certain conditions, we submit to the will of our partner if we're a submissive. And the conditions include terms of service, uh, lengths, length of service, and then areas of the submissive's life that the dominant doesn't get the control. Oftentimes it's the, uh, involved with their family or their work or their religion things like that things that are off the table uh within regular uh, slavery uh, people don't get to choose they don't it's not at certain times with their that they choose or certain conditions conditions that they choose it's something that is forced upon them uh and that does not include terms of service and length of service and doesn't generally include a contract uh, it doesn't include negotiations it doesn't and there are no areas of the person's life that this uh that they that the slaveholder doesn't control there are no hard or soft limits when they play or just interact and there are no safe words there's no ending the slavery there's no getting out of it when it's an unethical type of modern slavery. And so a submissive is totally different and totally ethical because it's consensual. The person chooses, there's limits, there's, uh, there's safe words, there's ways to, they can choose at any time to stop and they can choose at any time to leave. And so, and within the scene, of course they have like I said, some control over the scene through safe words. And it says at least until they enter subspace. Subspace is kind of like a trance-like like state where chemicals are released in our body. And uh, this is also really important why you would vet a potential partner because they have to really care for you. It should really be a relationship. A power exchange is ultimately a relationship. And the person should have a certain love and care and respect for you 
because when you enter subspace, you may not be able to uh, speak or, you know, and things like that, because like I said, it is somewhat of uh, where, where your own body releases chemicals that are get put you in almost like a drug-like state. Uh, it's endorphins and all these different bodily chemicals. And so sometimes during play, especially S&M play, uh, uh, people have been known to go into this, have like spiritual type experiences and have physical experiences, almost like a drug. And so almost like being drugged, but it's your own body doing it. So DS relationships are based on power exchange. This means that a submissive, a person who normally has um, as much or as little personal control as society gives them, they surrender some of that personal control to a dominant for a prescribed period in exchange for specific benefits negotiated from the, the dominant type. Uh, submissives have a strong desire to serve, but that service is limited uh, to just their dominant and is offered within negotiated conditions. A submissives, uh, unlike slaves, a slave may be sold to another person or their body may be given to another person against their will unconsensually. Submissives, they have a strong desire to serve, but that service is limited to just their dominant partner or dominant partners if they happen to be polyamorous. Um, typically, the negotiated area Includes the submissive's terms of service, the length of service, the hard, soft limits, the safe words, as we said. The submissive will also negotiate uh, things, like I said, like family and children, work, education, religious observance. Um, things that, uh, those are aspects off uh, commonly that the dom doesn't control. Uh, conditions under which the submissive is willing to serve can be negotiated. Uh, like I said, uh, if a dom breaks the submissive's hard limits, the scene would end. And, and in a lot of cases, that breach of a relationship trust, the whole entire relationship could end. So when a in a dominant submissive relationship, unlike slavery, uh, if the if the slaveholder breaks the slave's limits, well, there is no really limits, but if this, the, the slaveholder can do almost anything to the slave and the, the submissive in the, with, you know, outside of limits and uh, just really just can totally violate the person. And within a dom sub relationship, the submissive has hard limits. And if they're violated, it's definitely a breach of trust and the relationship could end. The person could walk away and may walk away. Uh, the dom may be permitted to break what are called soft limits. And these are things the submissive says they're not really interested in. But after discussing it the, the, uh, with the submissive, uh, they obtain their permission to do them. And so they're things that are like, you know, they're not my favorite things to do. But if they please you, I may do them just with you. Um, it's still an area of consent but it's somewhat of a negotiated consent. That's what soft limits are. It's like, hey, I know you really don't like anal sex, but I really do. Would you be interested in having anal sex with me? And then the person says, you know, it's not my favorite, but I really like that it pleases you. And if we use enough lube and we 
we do it right uh, and you, you know, take really care, really good care and consideration of, of how my body feels and, and goes slow, you know, we can do it together. That would be a breaking a soft limit where the person would normally not have anal sex and wouldn't have it with anyone else because they trust their dominant partner. Under certain conditions, they may enjoy it with that dominant partner or allow that dominant partner to enjoy that action with them. Uh, in many and most cases, submissives cross back and forth between retaining and surrendering control over some aspect of their lives. They continue to make decisions in the areas that are off limits for their dom. Um, they have, you know, lots of, you know, it is a limited power exchange and they retain the power and they go back and forth between the areas that they retain power in and the areas that they've surrendered power and they kind of dance back and forth between that in their lives. A submissive resubmits to the dom at the start of any scene or activity over which the dom has negotiated authority. Uh, it just, uh, this, this doesn't mean that the person has to continuously earn their submission because they, they've earned their trust, they've been vetted, and they have earned their trust. But in, in, in one sense, the submissive always uh, makes that, whether consciously or unconsciously, makes that choice and has the choice to, to do any scene and activity. Uh, they, uh, you know, the, the submissive really, you know, they, they retain that personal choice. And so those are ways that, how it's, you know, sometimes people see just a submissive in a dominant submissive relationship as, you know, as, uh, outside, you know, people from the outside looking in may not understand what it means to be a submissive. They may see somebody as like a doormat or something. And that's not uh, what it is. A submissive has lots of power, uh, and uh, they surrender part of that power, but they retain some of that power. Of They always have personal choice. They always have consent. They have limits that are respected, and they, uh, they, you know, they can uh, consensually choose what they do and don't want to do. Uh, within a BDSM DNS relationship, DOM sub relationship. So now let's just kind of look at a slave. What is a slave within BDSM, and how does that differ from a slave uh, from modern slavery out outside of BDSM? The unethical kind, the kind that is a situation where a person uh, oftentimes uh, demands, uh, like. Uh, payment or a repayment of a loan they can't pay back or, you know, any kind of work or services that are not done voluntarily, uh, you know, under the threat of some form of punishment or deceptively recruited and kept through coercion, sometimes uh, uh, put in situations of exploitation, those different types of uh, things that you see, what we see within modern slavery that makes it unethical, bad for the people involved. Uh, you know, exploitation is never good. Um, you know, people's personal uh, rights, they either they have no rights or their rights are, um, are not respected. And so, uh, you know, what are, what are some ways that BDSM 
slavery is both uh, consensual and ethical. Let's look at that. So let me look at the definition here for you. This is the definition of a slave according to BDSM. It's a person who has transferred authority over him or herself to another. In a general sense, the distinction between a submissive and a slave focuses on whether the person retains any personal authority and or retains any meaningful decision-making capabilities or surrender such authority to someone else. Also, play rules are usually different for slaves as they lack the authority to tell their master to stop a scene. This is like the definition of a slave. So it's a person who has consensually transferred authority. Note, I, I don't personally call an, a master-slave relationship within BDSM. Some people call it a total power exchange, although that's kind of a misnomer because... Uh, in almost every case, nothing is total. Uh, someone will, for instance, they'll still choose when, when they will and won't use the restroom. They won't ask permission every single time. Uh, or they won't wait for uh, a master to come tell them when their body should, you know, use the restroom or should expel waste or fluid. And so, you know, if it was total power exchange, people wouldn't even make the simplest of decisions. So, because total would mean total, I would believe. But, so, I don't like to use that terminology. Even though it's popular, you find a lot of BDSM resources that use that, uh, it can be somewhat confusing. And so, I generally like to call a... Uh, say there's three different types of, um, of relationships. There is a power neutral, which would be like a top and bottom people that just seen, but they retain that, but both persons retain personal autonomy. Uh, I would say there is a power exchange relationship, which we just described as dominant and submissive relationship. And then I would say there is an either an authority transfer I like to call it an authority exchange relationship. That's what a master-slave relationship is because it's less about power and more about uh, exchanging authority. Uh, a slave transfers their authority over him or herself to another, and they fall under like the umbrella of a master or mistress. And so a slave falls under their umbrella uh, it is usually marked by macro-management instead of micromanagement, wherein, wherein the, the slave just generally, in a general sense, <clears throat> knows, uh, while they may have specific rules and protocols, they know in a general sense how to please, or the things that please the master or mistress. And so um, here's let's look at some typical characteristics of a consensual slave's role within BDSM. So it's called an MS relationship, master slash slave. Uh, an MS relationship is based on authority transfer. This means that once the person who has become a slave has, in fact, surrendered personal authority over him or herself to the master owner, and they no longer have the personal power to make decisions for him or herself. Thus, a slave would not have authority to enter into 
for instance, a DS scene with someone other than their master, uh, without that master specifically transferring their authority over their own slave to another person. And so um, that's just one thing here. And so they generally, you know, unlike human trafficking, uh, a, um, a master's not going to give his slave to another person. It's, it's you know, unless those things were negotiated before they entered into an MS relationship. So, at least in theory, the slave gives up all rights to make personal decisions and becomes the property of the master. And, of course, this is consensual. This is something that someone wants to do. And the core values are service and obedience. Uh, the sl slave loses the right to say no to master, and in its place, the slave may say, Sir, if it pleases you, or Master, I would really rather not, or Sir, only if it pleases you. Uh, a slave cannot read out, meaning stop the scene using a safe word often. Um, slaves have, have accepted their master's limits and does what's asked of them regardless of their feelings. Um, generally, uh, within the negotiation time, the time preceding, which is often months or years, uh, somebody entering this type of consensual slave relationship, master-slave relationship, um, the master also learns the, the, the potential slave's boundaries and limits and knows that they don't like anal sex and that, they, that it would be a soft limit or knows that they, they're scared of spiders. And so they wouldn't bring spiders into the bedroom, for instance. That's kind of an extreme thing, kind of a little bit of hyperbole there, but they're not going to bring spiders around the person. They're just not going to do it because they care for and uh, this person who is consensually coming under the umbrella of their authority. Uh, commonly in these types of relationships, these consensual BDSM relationships, a slave will have no rights to personal property and, will and, uh, and sometimes will continue to work for the benefit of the master's household. A slave's purpose is to make master's life easier. In that regard, a slave is expected to know master's wants and likes to the extent that the slave can take independent action on the master's behalf. Uh, like a proactive rather than a reactive, um, taking the initiative, knowing the things that a master wants. An act of willfulness can terminate a relationship. This is particularly true in cases where a slave removes their own collar or, you know, says, makes a direct no. Um, and this is, um, you know, this, it, a, MS relationship retains uh, its consensual nature. Um, there is nothing that can, you know, ultimately they are a slave and a master-slave relationship is there consensually and can choose at any time to remove the collar and walk away. Uh, they're not forced. There's no one who is being forced to do uh, to be in that relationship model. And ultimately, just like a power exchange, an authority exchange is also ultimately a relationship. And so in the same way, and even more so, there are lots of vetting goes into 
potential partners on both sides of the slash. A slave should definitely, or a potential slave should definitely bet a potential master and vice versa. A potential master should definitely vet a potential slave in a BDSM relationship. And there should be lots of negotiation. That is lots of talks, many, many, and very, and a very, very in-depth talks, negotiations, and there should be a contract. There should be lots of agreement, like, like major agreements. And things should definitely be worked through for a long period of time to find out if this, if, if the two persons that, uh, the two potential persons are even uh, compatible to be in this type of relationship. Perhaps instead of a master-slave relationship, they should be in a dominant-submissive relationship and have some limits. Uh, perhaps both persons are not capable of being involved in this type of um, this type of authority exchange. So maybe a power, a limited power exchange, would be better suited to the persons, the potential persons involved. So, um, oftentimes there is a service uh, that you know they may be more interested in taking care of others than in being taken care of. You know, uh, a service heart. A lot of times, a slave will have a service heart. Uh, they may very well be dominant in other aspects of their life, but they've chosen to be submissive or simply to serve one single person. And so now that we've gone over some of those terms, um, uh, you know, we should definitely, you know, hopefully you have a better understanding of the fact that uh, BDSM slave relationships uh, they're, they're not, no one is coerced, uh, or at least they shouldn't be. No one is con coerced. Uh, no one is recruited deceptively. There's lots of vetting, lots of negotiations, which are discussions, lots of, there is a contract, something that is, they, these people, they, uh, the, that are working towards this type of relationship, they are negotiating and then they come to uh, a, an agreement. Um, they learn each other's limits and boundaries. They, they, they learn about one another, and they take months, years, oftentimes, and most of the time, years. They take years to come to agreements and to consider each other and to learn each other and learn what each other likes and dislikes and then for a, especially the potential slave to learn the master's likes and learn what the, what pleases the master that they are looking to consensually put themselves under the umbrella of their authority. And so there's no deceptive recruitment. There's no coercion. Um, these are, they were put under consideration. There's all, there's also no exploitation. Uh, everything is written within a contract, so nobody gets exploited. Uh, the person who is a slave isn't a isn't like a slug. They're not just exploiting uh, the generosity of a benefactor. It's not a sugar daddy <laughs> relationship. It's not a sugar daddy slave relationship. They're not just there to uh, you know feed on. 
the uh, generosity of someone else and on the other time the other side of the situation that the other person isn't being exploited they're not just getting a sexual uh slave that they can just use and abuse and um you know give to their friends and you know loan out and give away and all of that sort of thing it's not nobody's being exploited um nobody's being forced into any work or services uh, people are who enter into a BDSM relationships do so voluntarily. There's no threats being made to keep somebody. They can remove a collar, you know, even though they most likely they put an investment of years into it. Only under the most extreme uh, circumstances, maybe the person has changed <laughs> over time or something. But even you know, under the most uh, uh, you know extreme circumstances the person can remove a collar and can walk away from that relationship they can uh, there are generally uh, written into the contract how the contract is voided if the person chooses to and so people are both people are there voluntarily nobody is making threats uh, there may be punishments involved but they are negotiated and known about um, for um, you know, they are written within the contract and they are, um, they are punishments for behaviors or whatnot that, that the, that if someone willingly does what the, they know the master doesn't allow. So, um, there, nobody is being demanded to repay any kind of debt or loan that they can, you know, they're not put into that kind of, uh, you know, it's not that kind of relationship. A BDSM relationship isn't somebody, uh, you know, people don't enter into those to try to repay debts or loans. And then, you know, the, the person who exercises power or ownership over another person, ultimately it's consensual, it's, uh, it's voluntary, and uh, it is uh, done so, like I said, with consent. And ultimately, the person can walk away if they choose to. No one is going to keep anyone. Both parties are there because they want to be there. Both parties are one. Uh, the slave serves the master, but the master serves the relationship. And so both are creatures of service. They are both caring for and in a relationship with one another and it is a relationship that is uh, oftentimes spiritual and oftentimes it just works uh, it it is built upon bdsm history we've uh, had ms relationships to one degree or another all throughout B uh, the history of bdsm and uh, so they are they are timeless and they are time tested and they really work. And so the ultimate question as I end this podcast went a little longer than I generally do uh, is BDSM or consensual slavery is is it ethical? Um, yeah, yeah, it is ethical. Uh, it is ethical in that it is uh, all BDSM is uh, uh, BDSM is always, or consent is always a hallmark of BDSM. Consent and communication. 
consistency, trust. These are all hallmarks of BDSM. And so it is unlike other forms of non-consensual, involuntary slavery. Yeah. BDSM relationships and BDSM slavery or MS relationships are nothing like the slavery that we've seen in the past, we see out in the world where people are being exploited and and used. So I hope that helps kind of separate the two. Uh, I am Primal Piggy. You can find me on Facebook at The Primal Piggy. And uh, you can find our educational page on Facebook, Whips, Chains, and Duct Tape, at WCDT. BDSM. Thank you for listening today. Have a good day.